0: Good evening, Africa, and welcome to Upfront from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. This week on Upfront... second night was actually, he was even more lively. It looked like the first night
1: was warming up.
0: WizKid is currently on his Made in Lagos global tour.
2: And what's the deal with Facebook and all these social media platforms? Right now, the federal government is suing Facebook, Google... Other tech companies under uh, antitrust laws, and the claim there is the companies are simply so big that they're they're dangerous to the larger economy and society.
1: What's up, Africa? You are listening to Upfront, on the voice of America.
0: There is no doubt that Wizkid is the preeminent prince of Afrobeats. and this year, 2021, is actually having a great year. His song Essence, featuring the very talented Thames, reached number one on Billboard's R&B hip-hop airplay chart. Billboard called it a milestone achievement for the Afrobeats genre. And WizKid is currently on his global tour for that album, Made in Lagos Tour. And he made a stop here in Silver Spring, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Silver Spring is home to a vibrant immigrant community that makes for a perfect location for a cultural institution like the Filmo. WizKid sold out that venue for two shows, which came as no surprise since he recently sold out the iconic O2 Arena in London in just two minutes. The film was the third stop in his 17-day tour, which will end next year in January of 2022. The previous three nights, he had performed for thousands in Brooklyn, New York, and went on to perform for thousands more in Chicago and other cities. Silver Spring is also home to my next guest, Tuma Bassa. Tuma attended the concert. Matter of fact, he went twice. But Tuma is not your regular concert goer. He's also a trailblazer in the global music industry. He's currently the director of black music and culture at YouTube. He joins me to chat about the influence of Afrobeat on global culture, the power of the diaspora cultural consumer, which, by the way, I read a statistic that the combined buying power, that's the consumption power of blacks, Asian Americans and Native Americans, is estimated to be... $2.4 2.4 trillion dollars. I would be curious to know how much of that represents the African diaspora, but that's a conversation for another day. Welcome, Tuma. How did it feel for you to finally get back to live concerts after a year of mostly virtual events? So that
1: was that was my first real show. So that it, it was in the beginning, it was a little awkward in terms of like comfort level and and um, and and all those people. And uh, and we all wore we we kept our masks on most of the time, you know. so We were singing through our masks. <laughs> At The end of the night, my mouth was dry. So it's a it's a transition, but but it, but it's like um, a happy transition because that was a part. We, even those in the height of the pandemic, we weren't sure if things were ever going to come back to live shows and everything. We we weren't sure if it was going to stay live stream permanently. Mm. So. So for me it was a welcome, and and then and, and and it was a great night. Uh, what what yeah, yeah. Well, what with, a show!
0: Even start. with the masks on, even with the masks on, it did not kill the energy in the room. Oh, not at all,
1: not at all. And, and and by the way, most of the people weren't wearing masks. It's just that we were more cautious. And the other thing about the show was uh, everyone was close, close, close together. We haven't been that close together in a in a long time. Like like. Mm. In a very long time
0: absolutely absolutely how did how did this
1: kid do i thought he did great i thought he did great uh this the, i went two nights in a row so he so i posted that show was so nice i went twice right and uh second night was actually he was even more lively He it looked like the first night was warming up for that's talent for a show that great to almost be like a
0: warm-up. Let's, let's talk about the business side of it. it. This was a difficult time for artists around the world, but more so those in developing countries, developing economies. How did African artists survive during COVID? As a person who understands a little bit about the money side, the business side of it, what impact did the pandemic have on the industry?
1: Well, well during COVID... Uh, every service was uh, figuring out mo- the monetization of live streaming. And um, so that um, revenue flow did exist. The hard part is if you do the same show in different cities, right? And then you do that show once to the whole world, it's hard to replicate. You know, so, so some people's business models is doing the same show multiple times in different places, right? Right. And then you make more money that way. Mm. So sometimes it's a little harder if you do a show and you can't do it again. Because the whole world had access to it or the whole world saw it. And, uh, and, and uh, so that that's that, that's the tricky part of where we are right now with um, live stream technology and, the, and, and when it comes to monetization. But there are also alternative monetization um, like, with YouTube, you have super chats or super stickers where, where yeah, you're gonna monetize during VOD, but uh, the fans can show support. They can express love. Almost like the way if you go to a Nigerian wedding and they're throwing dollars, throwing stickers at the artist, and they paid for those stickers, and those stickers... It's, it's Alt- right now, it's called alternative monetization. Maybe one day it'll be the mainstream monetization. Right. But
0: but, but then, during, the, during the time when they were not able to perform in t- the hall of 2020, many concerts. I remember by March of 2020, the filmo had booked about five acts. Mr. Yeah. Easy, I think it was Banner Boy, and a bunch of other artists. The Joe Boys, all those up and up and coming artists that had just had a hit in 2019. And 2020 came, they closed, they 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 cancelled all their concerts. How did they survive? Is there are there other revenue streams that are none? Musical, all musical, in a way where I mean, they're still making money.
1: But I mean, the the artists that you talk, that you just mentioned, are big artists, so they're they're gonna make good money off of public publishing. Because you have to remember, artists have multiple streams of revenue. Did they, they make money off of uh, royalties or um, streaming, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. They make money off of live. They, they make brand sponsorship deals. They, they they have large social media followings. And, 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 and can exercise. And that they can ability leverage to be that. So, Yeah, they can leverage that. Like, hey, you know, if I'm like Pepsi pays them to um, post themselves drinking Pepsi and wiping their forehead. You know what I mean? It is So so the artists you mentioned are all big names and have um, uh, uh, multiple streams of revenue. Right. Multiple so streams. You find Five one. Yeah.
0: Right. right. right.
1: The, the artists that we would to be concerned about are the emerging artists that depend on the road. You know, is that they're still building their name. They have their following, but the but their the them being on the road was their primary source of income as they built um uh uh, the following uh, uh, the it, uh in the streaming world. Yeah, as they built their catalog, as they okay. built their you know. These, all those guys, we can name a bunch of songs by all of those guys that you know to, to fill the film you already have to be broken. We call it like breaking music we call it when a, a song right. is broken or artist right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you know, to an extent, you
0: know. And which is the thing, and so Wizkid is currently on his Made in Lagos tour. He sold out two concerts in the DC area, the film, or those two concerts. And he could have sold out four. You know that he could easily have sold out four even more. And he's selling out other other cities in the US. In case you're just joining us, we are chatting with Tuma Bassa, director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube. What does that say about the market here and the power of the diaspora music
1: consumer? Well, you know, Davido said something um, in a talk at YouTube that was really deep. He said something, and and then when you go do numbers, it's real. He says, everybody has a Nigerian friend, because we're asking about the rise of of Afrobeats. He says, everybody has a Nigerian friend, right? And when he said that, I started thinking numbers-wise. There's 300 million Nigerians in Nigeria. There's a so many Nigerians in UK. So many Nigerians in Canada. So many Nigerians in the US, mm-hmm. Houston, DC, etc. They stay connected. Travel is cheaper, mm-hmm. so you can go home more because you can buy these tickets on these websites that sell at bulk price. You have things like YouTube and, so, and social media. You have communication tools free like WhatsApp or iMessage. Mm-hmm. That's free, so you can keep. You touch, you can be up to the minute. Right. You, 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 the, the, the the social disconnection, or the cultural disconnection, I should say, mm-hmm. is, is not what it was in the 80s and 90s for the diaspora. Mm-hmm. And that makes such a huge difference right. In, in, right. in terms of the spread, because, you know what I mean, and of the potential, right? And now, yes, uh, uh, Lil Duval did a remix of Essence, right? And then I was at this. I was at this dinner, and they were playing. They played Aaliyah, then they played uh uh Wiz. They played Aaliyah, then Wiz, and then later on they played um, Focalistic. I was shocked. That they it was a dinner. And it depends they on they
0: what kind of dinner. Where, where played, were you? Like the context think, of it? No, it was. It was like, all American. All,
1: all, all American. It was all American. Mm-hmm. It was. It, it wasn't. I was a playlist. It Wasn't a DJ. It was like mm-hmm. a, I'm talking about the background music. They put Focalistic from South Africa. I blew my mind how the music was just mixing. And it blew my mind. Yeah. And I was like, like how, how do they know about this song? A
0: couple of years ago, like if you were in a place where All-American dinner somewhere, probably playing a whole different set never of music. Never
1: it, it never happened. It, it, was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was very exotic. It was very foreign. Now, now it's all becoming one. And I love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: And, so you know I mean? and, and we're talking about the diaspora community also i think as, aside from travelling i think that the, the, they're putting where their money where the mouth is you know and, and they're, they're consuming african cultural products including the music and, yeah. and and i think but because of the technology also if for example I, I know this moment in in this concert where WizKid said we're about to play the national anthem of africa and in my head i knew that <laughs> you Was your that? Video actually, yes yes and and for me it feels like any song that is popping in a Jew legba at that moment somebody in Houston or in America in Nigeria will know about it or, or or anywhere else in the world so by the time it becomes mainstream we kind of already know even the the word the lyrics to it you know so that that in, you know the instantness of you know that has been accorded to us by technology has really has really helped, uh, you know, people connect, continue connecting with, with their homeland and, and the culture. Yeah. It was 2019, I believe, or early 2020, when the the, the, the news broke that uh, Tiwa Savage had signed with Universal. And we've seen uh, many artists on the continent signing with these big record labels, Universal, Sony, and others. And, you know, how Wanna... has it helped elevate their musical careers? And I guess my question is, is, is the music label model still uh, uh, viable in the era of, of YouTube and other social media platforms, if an artist is able to leverage their social media.
1: hundred percent. You have to remember something about artists. Artists want their music to be heard. They want their music to be heard by as many people as possible. Enjoyed. They love applause. They love things. Because when they were creating it, it's their baby. This is a, this is a baby. So, so these labels, what they do is they help scale. Like you, you can do it all yourself. That's fine, but you're limited in terms of capacity, right? And and so so uh, the, the, these these labels, what they do is uh, you, you, now you have the potential to reach. It's not a guarantee, but you have the potential to reach uh, other places in the Asian Pacific markets, the Europe, Middle East, Africa. You already have then now north america maybe latin america mm. uh, is, is 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 so the global part is is uh, in terms of uh, the music videos or in terms of uh, radio right is that you can focus on your music and your team can focus on you know the the the, the, the movements mm. right and then what they're focusing on is on um what, what they like to call scaling and making it big and and and, can and, and, and in
0: and new markets yeah, breaking. Okay, yeah, okay. exactly. So the, the record labels still have those networks already in. view.
1: Hundred percent. Of course, the, you can do it yourself. Yes, hundred percent. Mm. And you can be independent, and do, and you and you get paid more when you're independent. If if you actually get to a certain place, right, because you keep more. But getting there is really, really difficult. And then the other, and the reason why I'm saying difficult, I'm not saying it's difficult because it's like impossible or hard to do is so competitive you know how, how saturated the market is you know how many songs are coming out every day right so how, how do you break from that excess mm. you know what i mean how do you stand out right it is it, that that partnership or that alignment with those uh, major record labels uh uh helps is strategic. strategic these are strategic partnerships mm. you know
0: and they're still yeah. functional still working and still relevant it's, it's still relevant, it's still functional. It's a, it's, a, it's it's probably
1: a sweeter, uh, more romantic story uh, for the little guy to win and etc cetera, etc cetera, in terms of a thing, right? Mm. I'm not being honest. I'm just being honest, right? Mm. Uh, even me, I, I root for the little guy. I, I li- and, I li- and I enjoy music that comes from indies, right? Uh, but uh, the reality part is that they still have that kind of dominance. But then then you have independent. Independence, like Empire. Have you heard of Empire? Yes. Empire Distribution. That's sort of like the Oakland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. they were Oakland. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 uh not Oakland. They're uh. Is San they're in the Bay Francisco. Area or somewhere? San
0: Francisco. Bay area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco,
1: not Oakland. I'm sorry, San Francisco. Yeah, so so they've been investing a lot in African music. Um, Bouju has that song "Outside." He's on that song "Mood" with Whiz Kid right now. Mm. I'm in a big mood. No 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 na, something, something. Yeah, uh, uh Buju is on there. I think, I think Berna has his label deal. Spaceship mm-hmm. with Empire, which is independent. Um, who else? They have Fireboy, DML. They have, uh, they've been investing a lot. And then Fire, the guys, uh, the Fireboy,
0: DML, Fireboy, DML, and Joe Boy are the two artists I feel like were most affected dollar-wise. By the pandemic, because their songs were just popping at the time when the lockdowns happened. Well, well,
1: well This is the deal here. I, I don't, I don't, I can't, I uh, can't confirm. I don't I have no idea to be to you, right? However, what I do know is that the pandemic did hurt African music, and you know why? I'll tell you why. Festivals, and people were traveling to Africa, going to the Ghana's and these, you know what I mean? And then they were doing travel groups and they were listening. So the travel was hurt. So it slowed down. So right now what we're seeing is like this resurgence, like, okay, there's no more pandemic. Let's go hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, to travel, the festivals were booking African artists, just as if they were booking a UK artist or a Canadian artist. So there was that. And then also, Markets like America are out of sight, out of mind. America music have, they have too many choices that if you're not actually physically here to promote or to be present or to uh, even to politic and, you know what I mean? To radio. Yeah, it, 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 or even to navigate mm-hmm. because the, without that physical presence, uh, you, you're put at a big disadvantage. Yes. And then, and then the other thing is this, the last point, about why there was some hurt is collaborations in 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 music when you do when you collaborate you cross pollinate audiences right so if you're not physically here to you know i mean to like even just a bond because artists they like vibes they like they like chemistry like you can do the email thing and the payment thing etc etc But they like the energy has to connect. Real. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 they their
0: energy, you know. Yeah, yeah. In case you're just joining us, we are chatting with Tuma Basa, director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube, and we are talking about Afrobeats in the context of WizKid's ongoing global tour for his Made in Lagos album. Yeah. Which artists currently in 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 Africa, in whether it's in part of the Afrobeat crowd or others? Would you say he's doing well in terms of leveraging their their, their skill and then their the business size? Who's doing business really well? Good business. I, I love the way Mr. Easy does business.
1: I'll tell you why. I love the way Mr. Easy does business is because he always explains very clearly like why he's doing something, what he expects, what the risks are, and and, and then he'll put you onto. Um, I love talking to Mr. Easy. That's the best, like, like, like business mind in terms of like business mind, yeah, right? Yeah. It is 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 uh, he, he has other businesses like um, like fintech, like the payments, and you know what I mean, or mm-hmm. or you know, and he'll tell you all about it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So from a business perspective, thing, uh, diamond platinums, uh, just I'm I'm just looking from the outside you know, and seeing all the investments he makes in Tanzania, mm. you know, the, the, the Wasafi FM and et cetera, and, and the deals with Pepsi, and
0: you know. And so, so, so
1: and that's more, and that's not from a conversation, that's just more from observation, you know.
0: I'm sure so many artists will look at, will listen to you, me, and say, hey, Jackson, you never asked Tuma about what does it take for me to make it on YouTube as a musician? Uh, consistency, you know. I mean, first, talent and good
1: music. Like, if you don't have either of those, you're limited right there. Um, but but the consistency part, the engagement, you know, is is is, is, is building the audience and, and being regular. That's the, That discipline of regularity is um, what separates um, a lot of... Um,
0: Do you have to uh, continuously produce music, release music on your platform? It doesn't have to be music. It could be context.
1: It, it doesn't have to be... A, it, it, be in it, it could be vlogs or it could be... Uh, 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 behind the scenes, or it could be a trailer. It doesn't have to be music. The, the, that's the beauty of YouTube is that the, uh, one piece of one song. There could be so many versions of it. You could even even do an acoustic version, a lyric video, or visualize, see, or a video and Yeah, and so that, that that that's engagement. That's giving someone to look. For, you're making it a living, breathing thing rather than just uploading a song and then expecting people to just find it. Like, come on, man. Like, and, no. And,
0: and so how does the YouTube uh, algorithm work then for you if you're up, if you're not uploading on uh, a regular basis?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not the right person to ask about the, uh, how the YouTube algorithm works, but just from my personal experience, I'm not, this is not speaking professionally, my personal experience, is, is that you're, that you're rewarded with, by activity you're keeping the algorithm warm, man.
0: Hey, Tuma, I know we, we don't want to take your time on Sunday. Thank you so much for chatting with us. No, thank you. That was Tuma Bassa, Director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Hello.
0: Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Ah! Clear, go! ah! Whatever your pleasure,
1: you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC.
0: In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. My name is Jackson Bunganyi. Social media giant Facebook has agreed to send their global head of safety to testify before the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Consumer Protection at the end of this month. The the hearing comes after the Wall Street Journal published an article revealing Facebook's own research had shown that its Instagram app had a negative impact on young people's mental health. The New York University Stern Center for Business and Human Rights has published a study titled, Fueling the Fire how social media intensified U.S. political polarization and what can be done about it. The report calls for Congress and the Biden administration to mandate more disclosure about the inner workings of the platforms and require that social media platforms share data on their ranking, recommendation and removal algorithms for researchers and regulators to use. Paul Barrett, who is the deputy director at the NYU Stunt Center for Business and Human Rights, co-authored the report. In this second part of my conversation with Mr. Barrett, he tells me that social media companies need to consider adjustments on how
2: they are managed. Right now, the federal government is suing Facebook, Google, other tech companies under uh, antitrust laws. And the claim there is the companies are simply so big that they're, they're dangerous to the larger economy and society. I don't know how those cases are going to come out, but those but those lawsuits implicitly raise the same question. Are you able to manage this company in its current form um, such that it's a net positive for society as opposed to uh, a negative? Mm. And, you know, part of your recommendation, I guess, is
0: that government has plays a role in these uh, social media platforms. They are creating their Mm -hmm. own. Uh, And and my question is, how how do you make sure that the engagement on on these platforms that you're suggesting is is more authentic and not about people trying to get more likes or creating a viral moment? What are some of the design changes needed on these platforms to avoid the same mistakes that we're seeing right now?
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, starting with the potential government role, right now, the government in this country plays almost no role in overseeing um, social media. If that makes the social media industry, um, anomalous, I mean, broadcast television and radio are, are overseen by the FCC, the, um, equity markets, the stock markets are overseen by the S E C. Um, and you know, and then you've got the federal election commission on and on, there is no one body that, uh, as an ongoing, um, sustained matter, uh, keeps an eye on, uh, social media. So that, that, that's a start starting point. I think we are now at the point where we have to conclude that this industry is not going to self-regulate itself sufficiently, so the government needs to entertain some type of constructive role. And the first step, I think, is uh, for the government to require uh, a much greater degree of transparency, which is to say... THE GOVERNMENT WILL NOT HAVE ANYTHING TO SAY ABOUT PARTICULAR PIECES OF CONTENT OR TYPES OF CONTENT. IN THIS COUNTRY, WE CAN'T DO THAT. FIRST AMENDMENT, FREE SPEECH. FACEBOOK IS A PRIVATE SPEAKER IN THAT SENSE AND NEEDS TO BE ALLOWED TO DO WHAT IT WANTS TO DO. BUT THE FIRST AMENDMENT DOES NOT STOP THE GOVERNMENT FROM SAYING, WE WANT YOU TO, to DISCLOSE um, HOW YOUR ALGORITHMS WORK SO THAT WE CAN GET A, a BETTER IDEA WHY one person sees one news feed and another person sees a very different news feed. How is it the decisions are made about uh, ranking, recommending and removing content? Um, And once we had a better idea of just exactly how these automated systems worked, I think we could make much more informed decisions about whether, for example, it's really a good idea to have a whole system of rewards for virality, is it absolutely necessary to uh, to have a, you know, a system of likes and dislikes to um, uh, you know allow uh, you know people to necessarily share everything? Maybe there should be more impediments placed um, before the user, uh, before that person is able to share. I mean, for example, Twitter has already done this to a slight degree. If you go on Twitter and uh, tweet contains uh, a link to an article, and you go to share, uh, you know, retweet that article, it, before you can retweet it, Twitter asks you, are you sure you want to retweet it even though you haven't read the article yet? Okay, that's a good first step. That should slow people down a little bit, make them think a little bit. Um, I think a lot more experiments along those lines uh, are needed, and the only way to make those experiments useful uh, or, or, or potentially productive is for the uh, regulators and the public and everyone to understand better um, how these systems actually work.
0: WhatsApp is very popular in Africa, actually, in developing yeah. countries. I've seen that WhatsApp has, part of its safeguards, limited how many, to how many people you can share one single story. And, and I think that is limiting the virality of some of these uh, right. fake stories. That, you know, I've, I've been reading that, and, and I know that Americans are really good at functioning without appeals to power. Is, is there a private sector solution to this public threat, that, as you say?
2: Well in theory there there ought to be in theory the the major tech platforms could self regulate more effectively one of the problems with these platforms though is i fear that in their short lives they're all you know in the range of 15 years old or so that that they have become more complicated and more vast than their founders anticipated and the people running these companies simply don't fully have their arms around them don't don't actually are not able to deal with all the challenges that they face. I am not in favor of the government taking over the companies or the government dictating how they're managed on a day-to-day basis. No, I think that would be a bad idea and dangerous. Um, But I think if, if we understood more about how the companies functioned, that would create demands from the public, from political leaders and others that the companies consider adjustments to how, Uh, they're they're managed.
0: That was Mr. Paul Barrett. He's the Deputy Director of the NYU Stunt Center for Business and Human Rights. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to our guests, Tuma Bassa, Director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube, and Mr. Paul Barrett of the NYU Stunt School. For more on these topics, remember to check us out at voainews.com slash upfront, where you can also catch our previous podcasts. You can catch me on social media. I'm at Upfront Africa or the Upfront show at VOA Upfront. Until next time, goodbye, everyone.